Are you an experienced hiker and backcountry camper? Are you known as a map geek? Do you enjoy planning your own wilderness adventures out in gruesome detail? If so, Art of the Trek is looking for you to join their team of route guide planners. This position is paid. It's freelance. It's flexible. It's remote. It's a bonus during COVID. So if you're interested in doing paid route planning for Art of the Trek, please shoot an email to Nicole at artofthetrek.com and tell her you heard about it on Backcountry BSing. And we are live. I'm double checking. It's up there. <laughs> trust me. I don't. I don't like how YouTube does the new thing. They don't. YouTube doesn't give you any heads up. They just like put it up there. Um, yeah. Welcome back to Backcountry BSing episode 48. <laughs> we haven't done one in a while. We haven't done one since Labor Day. The best is we've only ever done two in the woods. We've done two in the woods. This is a much better setup. Yeah. We can bring people in. We can bring people in like virtually now. It's hard to do that in the woods. Yeah, yeah. So we have a, a fun one today. Um, we are talking to Lloyd. We do. I guess I'm putting your full name in the uh, in the in the title. So I was I was going to give you some anonymity, but we're talking to <laughs> Lloyd Vogel. He is with Garage Grown Gear. A, uh, a, a well, Lloyd. First, welcome. Thank you for joining us. How's it going? Hey. It's uh, going well, yeah. <laughs> Jealous of your guys' wine. So I was going to launch into talking about Garage Grown Gear, but how about you give the people listening or yeah. watching? And, and most people know, like, especially most, most people, people have follow heard of it. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely know what Garage Grown Gear is. But but why don't you give, like, an overview of, like, what it is and, and you know, the cool concept that you've created? You bet. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we kind of view ourselves as both a... Uh, online retailer and a uh, promotional marketing platform for small and startup outdoor companies. So um, kind of on our most basic form, uh, we sell, I think about 90 brands right now that are all yeah. uh, kind of fall within. Oh, 90. Wow. Like yeah. World. But uh, yeah, our, our small startup or cottage companies. So what, um, so give me the uh, give me the history of how this or actually so let's get to know Lloyd first before we jump yeah, into this. Yeah. So okay, yeah. So you're based. So what's um where are you based out of? Where are you based out of? We're based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. Are you from Minneapolis? I'm not. Uh, I'm a I'm a transplant. Uh, but um, you know, uh, not too far away. Grew up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Are oh, you a Wisconsinite? I am a Wisconsinite. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly Midwestern. I know we were just chatting a couple of minutes ago about that, uh, uh, your, uh, Ohio roots. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I moved here for school and just, uh, have been here ever since. So what, so you moved to, you grew up in Milwaukee Were you, yeah. were you an outdoorsy? Cause there's some decent outdoorsy selections in Wisconsin. Yeah. I lived there for a couple of years. So okay. were you, uh, were you always into backpacking or how did you get started into that? That sort of thing. I was not. No, um, I uh, I came into it through paddle sports. Um, okay. Okay. Nice. I grew River up rat. like right on Lake Michigan, and uh, basically uh, got started with a, a friend that had um, a couple of like really like crappy sit on top kayaks, and um, we would just go down to uh, Lake Michigan when the the waves were particularly high and just get uh, wrecked in them. <laughs> I mean, we really don't know what we're doing, um, but it it kind of uh, evolved into this uh, just like real love of, of playing around in, in, uh, in water and in waves and in conditions and, um, started, uh, canoeing and, and sea kayaking and, uh, kind of, uh, eventually found my way into backpacking mostly because, um, kind of convincing friends to go paddling was more difficult than, uh, convincing friends to go walking. <laughs> really? Lake Michigan is freaking cold too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's not, that's pretty like funny superior, but still uh yeah still, yeah uh, not toasty <laughs> oh that's funny uh that's cool so um okay so you're you're an outdoorsy guy so i okay i got i gotta bring this up so do you know who have you ever heard of a musician called mark ribelet no all right lloyd you look and talk exactly like him yeah he's a big YouTube look him musician. up look him up after this trust me uh, it's a compliment. All right. Sorry. Okay. So outdoorsy guy, paddle sports guy. So how convince, did, hold on. You convince your friends to walk instead of paddle. And yeah. then didn't you just start, did you just start like hitting the trails? Uh, yeah. You know, I, um, like the, just like the barriers to entry to backpacking yeah. in terms of gear are just so much less. Like, I feel like I can 
uh, for most of my life, always been able, to, at least since I started backpacking, be able to outfit friends with kind of whatever whatever they've needed. But uh, if you're going to convince someone to go kayaking with you for a couple of days, um, you need a lot of stuff. Yeah. You need like, and not to say that like, like I think backpacking has um, a, a degree to skill to it, of skill to it. Certainly like backcountry travel really does. But, uh, you know, uh, any given day on the water could be really technical even if you're not anticipating it uh and that just like makes it uh more stressful for bringing people along if they're not quite sure what they're doing have you had some uh some bad experiences bringing people not not super it just like you didn't feels you didn't kill someone lloyd <laughs> like bring someone out there totally unprepared um, not that i'm gonna tell you about it <laughs> Uh, you know, just like when you're trying to think about planning something, I think when uh, when I would take friends out paddling, I would always kind of feel like I was more in a guide or leadership capacity. Yeah. Whereas when you're, you know, taking a uh, like you're going with friends on a on a couple day trip on like the Superior Hiking Trail, uh, you know, all my friends can walk about as well as I can. Right. Uh, I don't have any like superhuman walking abilities. Uh, you know, I might I have some knowledge that comes with it, but. But that's about it. Uh, so I think that that's something that definitely kind of steered me to really, really liking backpacking is that just really anyone can can get into it pretty easily. Yeah, um, that's pretty. I'm pretty jealous that you can just hit up the Superior Hiking Trail. I know. Like, is that like you're pretty close to there? That's like a, a dream trail for us. It's uh yeah, it's about it's about two and a half hours north of here, kind of depending on on where you're looking to get. But it's definitely like really easily within striking range for uh, just like a quick overnight or a quick weekend. Um, Have you done the whole thing? I've done sections of probably 90 percent. OK, it. I had some ambitions of doing the whole thing this summer and then it just didn't happen. So <laughs> maybe next summer. Everybody talks about that. The section that's like a mile that you walk in sand. Have you done that section before? It's not. No. Okay. Oh yeah. That's, Everybody complains about that. that They're like, that. it's beautiful, but then it's just like a mile in sand. Not <laughs> gets old. I, I've seen the pictures of it and it seems like, or at least the majority of the sections that I did this summer are all so far away from the actual, uh, lake. Yeah. You kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful when you do see it, but it, it feels like a, like a distant memory. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> never, like really that close to it. And, um, at least on the Southern portions of it, like the closest that you get to it are, along the highway um, because for the majority of the, the trail, there's a highway in between you and the, in the lake itself. Oh, oh I, didn't know yeah, I didn't know that either. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Nobody talks. That. I don't you, see that in the videos. Have you seen Suge? Have you seen Suge up there? I have not. No, other than, you know, seeing him, him in his videos. Um, but, uh, uh, he's, he's an elusive one. I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, have, a. no, we um, know we've tried Lloyd. We've tried. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I I feel like he exists on a plane that uh, is kind of unreachable as this like mythical creature of the Minnesota woods. Yeah, yes. I just feel like he's always at this at the SHT. It's yeah. like you got to run into him at some point. You'd think so, but uh, no dice so far. Um, that that's that's sweet though. And, and Minnesota in general has like really good outdoor Do recreating. You, so like Boundary Waters, you go up to the Boundary Waters at all? Yep. Yeah, I was up there uh, a couple times this summer too. Oh, uh, nice. Kind of like just within striking range. I mean, it's a little bit more up yeah. to uh, to the boundary waters, but uh, you know the permits are easy to get. Yeah, uh, the SHT. There's no permits, so it just means that I think a lot of Minnesota recreation is is pretty dang accessible, which uh, is nice. And uh, the, certainly the boundary waters are beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, that yeah, we're, we're jealous of the uh, the outdoor. Have, we do not have that here. Um, okay, so I, I now I want to get into all right. So what what was the impetus? Where did, where did garage grown gear start? Like how, how did all this start? Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't my doing initially. Uh, it got started by, um, a lady by the name of Amy Hatch, uh, out in Idaho, kind of in like the, um, outside mm -hmm. of, uh, Jackson area, um, in like the Teton Valley. Uh, but, uh, and that was back in, uh, 2013. And when it initially started, it was with the idea of being a, a retail space for kind of any, like a more general outdoor startups. So not necessarily relegated to backpacking, but okay. um, climbing gear or like yoga mats made by small companies mm -hmm. and uh, kind of started off as just like a, yeah. And some kind of iteration of Etsy for any kind of small. Okay. Company. I like that. 
and uh, kind of over the years and uh, it kind of evolved more towards backpacking based on what Amy was interested in. And then, uh, yeah, about three and a half years ago now, um, Amy, who uh, has kind of is like kind of a serial entrepreneur in terms of like always has her uh, hands in a lot of different cookie jars, um, was was feeling like uh, she wasn't quite willing to continue to put in the the time. She had a a, a kid. And uh, just like the startup life can be kind of grueling and right. yeah. so she was looking for someone else to come on over and and uh, and run the ship. And uh, I uh, ran into uh, uh, a employee of Garage Grand Gear at the time at Outdoor Retailer. And, oh, okay. Uh, having a conversation about something like totally different. We were just like sharing beers on the stairs mm-hmm. uh, back when it was in Salt Lake City. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah. And we're like looking for someone to uh, to take over garage grown gear. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Didn't really think anything about it. And then was like lying in my hotel room at night thinking, oh, maybe that's something that I could do. So I uh, just started having conversations with them and see if that was something that they would be interested in. And uh, yeah, three and a half years later, it's um, it's where it is right now, which is uh, kind of followed my passion, which is been ultralight backpacking so um when i came into garage ground gear my uh big emphasis was to hone it in on the things that i love to do which is yeah ultralight companies the cottage industry is something that i've always been a really uh, close follower of and i've always just found small brands to be so much more personal yeah so much yeah more definitely i kind of think of garage ground gear as like the ultimate hype man slash ambassador for for small brands yeah that, like we just like are so jazzed about the companies that we work with and uh, we just happen to have a big enough platform to be able to shout real loud. Um, and uh, that's like a really, a really cool spot to be in. But like we, we love, we legitimately like love working with the companies that we work with and uh, we like don't work with people that we don't want to work with that we don't want to support. Um, and uh, that's like a really interesting and kind of fun space to be at. So um, Yeah. That's a little bit of the, did you the uh, did you have a did you have a background in business at all or like do you just like learn it just like bring it on let's do this <laughs> yeah that's, that's uh, sweet so I, I had started a, a different company about a year prior um, and it was a company called Big Outdoors that essentially the the basic business model was to buy custom products and make them available as stock products um, so like we worked with uh, like Superior Wilderness Designs like right when okay. they opened up we bought like. 15 of their stock packs and we're selling them off of our site. Um, and we did this with like a, a handful of different brands. Um, and, uh, having absolutely no idea what I was doing, it was certainly, uh, a, a quick education because, um, my background is in, is in teaching in, uh, outdoor ed and special ed. Um, so definitely nothing that I did in my liberal arts education, uh, particularly prepared me for business other than kind of just some, vague critical thinking abilities no no no. this communication skills yeah you're a really uh, good yeah. you're a really good talker yeah no, really, no you are yeah. you're making deals yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so that uh, uh i guess that was kind of my 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 preparation for it but big outdoors i think was a was a big education in kind of just the arena and kind of the the different the different players in terms of media in terms of brands in terms of ambassadors and influencers i mean we exist in such a um such a uh uh uh, in an in influencer heavy industry. And I, I guess I don't know how that correlates to other parts, but the outdoor industry is so much driven by, by trust in other people's opinions. Um, which, uh, I think is, is a, is a great aspect of it, but a big outdoors for me was the, was the introduction to what that looks like from a business perspective. So, um, so you were, you kind of already had this concept in mind. So yeah, you were, did. were you, were you aware of garage grown gear prior to, well, oddly, um, the initial way that I learned about Garage Grown Gear was I entered into one of their giveaways uh, and I won it. Um, and so I got an email from Amy, uh, who was running Garage Grown Gear at the time, and was like, congratulations on winning this giveaway. And I thought that was the funniest thing in the world because uh, I shot her an email and was like, well, I run this site called Big Outdoors. <laughs> giveaway. And uh, so I ended up winning um, some gear from brands that we had were already selling on Big Outdoors. Um so it was kind of a funny little... Oh, that's uh, irony. Yeah, that's it, pretty funny. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so that kind of like initially like put me in contact with Amy or even put me on any kind of uh, radar of, uh, of Garage Grown Gear. And um, yeah, then kind of when, when Amy was looking to uh, 
find someone else to, to run it. Uh, to me, it seemed like the opportunity to kind of advance, to, to jump a couple couple years in the process in terms of take a company that was already doing things that I liked and be able to, to mold it and shape it kind of more in a direction that I, uh, that I wanted to go in. So, um, is she still involved? She is. Yeah. So she's still, she's still my business partner in all of this. Um, she, uh, does, uh, like runs our online magazine and kind of, uh, handles all of our finances as well. And is there for all, all big level decisions as well. So, uh, you know, I think whenever anyone's talking about coming into a company and the the previous uh, CEO is still uh, is still there, um, there's always like some trepidations of yeah, able to kind of take it in the directions. Yeah, that she's been nothing but the the most supportive uh, partner. And, um, yeah, still like just adds like a ton of value to, to what we do and has a lot of historical context to Garage Grown Beer and the industry as well. What's her What's her background in? Uh, journalism. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she like uh, spent a, a number of years working for a uh, like a small um, magazine up in uh, I think Anchorage, Alaska. Oh wow! And uh, just like did a lot of uh, 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 backcountry travel, a lot of writing, um, and then uh, uh, started. Uh, she started a pack rafting company um, in oh. Jackson, and um, Sweet. it was basically like a, a rental pack raft company so she'd ship shipped um pack rafts like wherever people needed them yeah and then back um because you know people don't want to buy really expensive pack rafts for like a weekend we trip. were we've been so talking about that exact concept a great segue <laughs> so do you do you um there's there's two things andy and i are obsessed with like two really expensive gear items that we've never used that we see people use and we want to use one is hot tents, and everyone listening will know that. The second is pack rafts. So yeah. we um, we were out at Isle Royal in 2018. Yeah, and people had them there. Have you? Do you? Have you? Are you familiar with Isle Royal? You're up yeah, in that area. Yeah. Have you? I've been up there. Yeah. You've been there. Yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. So I saw people. I was like, "What are these people doing?" And they were like on the side of this lake, and they were inflating a raft. And I was like, "That's a thing." <laughs> I was like, "You can carry those." <laughs> have you done it? Have you? Have you used them? Uh, I have, um, not for anything functional. Uh, we, we sell, um, a, a pack raft option on okay. here. And so, uh, on one time visiting Amy out in Idaho, she was like, you got to try these things out. So we is, it, is it sweet? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, uh, they're, they're tiny. It like adds an entire dynamic. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying is, um, how many times have you like seen some Alpine Lake or right, uh, yeah. just like got some body of water? You're like, I would love just to paddle aimlessly around this thing. Um, and would, I, I know like pack rafts can definitely be much more functional if they're, uh, you know, planned and, and baked into trips. But uh, it seems like most of the times, like I'll just be on, um, yeah, like Bear and Bean Lake up on the SHT and just be like, yeah, I'd like to paddle around that. I'd, I'd do that. Would, well, you, would you take one backpacking? Uh, depends on where I was. Um, if, if there was, uh, there's definitely certain places that I, that I would, um, I think if I was on a, on a longer trip, I probably went, uh, went do the, the weight, but I've definitely had friends that have done, uh, like longer backcountry trips where, yeah, pack raft is there is a primary means of, of travel for them. And I've never, I've never experienced it to that level, but, uh, would like to. What's the, what's the total weight? If like, if I want to go pack rafting, and I want to put that thing on my pack. I have in my head eight pounds. Eight to ten. Is that what is it? Do you know what it is? I mean, it depends which one you get, obviously. Yeah, there's definitely. I think um, like alpaca pack rafts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think those are are yeah more around that level. Um, we sell like a really lightweight one that's like a little over two pounds. Oh, okay. we're talking like it's made for flat flat water. Okay. Right? You don't want to that. You don't want the bottom of that thing to touch anything. Okay. Might be out uh, three hundred bucks. The glowing, it's a glowing endorsement. Well, well I mean, the, the, I mean, you've been to you've <laughs> you don't been, want that thing to touch yeah. anything. You've been to Isle Royal. Like we we saw, like you know, there's just islands all around it with cool campsites on it and cool areas. And it's just like, wow, it'd be really cool to be able to get out to those islands. Yeah, that's what people they were using them for. They were using them to get to some of the campgrounds that are only water accessible. As, and then as well as I think I saw some guy, some people that were fishing from them too. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, more of like the, uh, 
uh, less of the ones that we sell, more of like the alpaca or um, I'm not sure what other, some of the other larger. Alpaca is the only one I've ever heard of. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a bunch out there. But it would be pretty cool to do something like that. I don't so, know. We, 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 we want to do more water-based camping stuff, but we just don't, we don't, A, we don't live in an area where there's good options, and B, it's just, we have already have so much gear as it is that adds a whole other yeah. gear stuff. I don't know. So, it's, but, it's both. Yeah. But I mean, seeing people go to Isle Royale for two weeks in kayaks and take like 100 pounds of stuff. <laughs> I was like, that seems pretty sweet. And schlepping around with his pack all day. Yeah. And they were fishing too. I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty cool. So and we've never done we've never done any any water based camping, right? I have. I've done canoe I've done canoe trips. Oh, that's in right. Canada. He has. That's yeah. right. He has. Um so so back to back to garage grown gear. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. So just like, first of all, I think it's everybody's dream, especially when you're buying like ultralight gear to be able to like have one place where you can get everything. And so like, I think that's a fantastic niche yeah. that, that you, you know, are there for. But like, how do you, I, I'm just like, do people, do these companies reach out to you? Do you like reach out to them and say, Hey, we we're interested in your products. Like, how does that work? Like, how do you find them? It's a, uh, it's a definitely a combination of both. I would say um, kind of when we, um, when I when I first started uh, diving into this, it was a lot more of us contacting brands and kind of explaining who we are, what we were doing, why we had some utility to them, and kind of explaining what a partnership could look like. Um, we definitely definitely still do that, um, but now we definitely have a, a lot of brands reaching out, um, asking us kind of to figure out what a retail platform looks like for them to work with. I mean, we are very frequently um for the vast majority of our brands the only retailer that they work with they've, they've never entered yeah, yeah. Retail relationships before so this conversation is completely brand new to them um and honestly for some of the brands that we reach out to like i find brands on etsy i find brands on instagram i find brands on reddit like uh you know kind of just sleuthing on all the places that that you know that you guys would find right out about yeah uh, but the kind of fun thing about that sometimes is that you'll reach out to a brand and you'll be like, this, your products are really cool. We'd love to work with you. And they're like, uh, you would, I just like, sew stuff in my basement. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's, that's exactly what we want to do is like finding brands that, um, you know, we, we are, are at our most useful to companies when they are at their smallest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You no, know, like a lot of a lot of companies are, you know, wouldn't even consider themselves companies. They're just a person who has a sewing machine and came off a trail and are like, I've got an idea for a product, and uh, they might have a good product, but they don't know how to market. They don't have access to. I mean, like, so many of the the outlets that one like we talk a lot about how growth for a business either comes one or two ways for the most part, either organically or paid. And organically takes a long time and a lot of contacts and paid requires a lot of money. And for someone who's just starting off a business, neither of those things are things that most people have access to. Um, like if you like good luck, like reaching out to a, you know, backpacker magazine as a small startup and, and, you know, getting a feature. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like good luck uh, doing a sales pitch to REI without a ton of track record of, of quality sales. It's not happening. Yeah. Um, or a lot of a lot of places, there's just so many different barriers to entry where it, it's, you know, you wouldn't even think that there would be a retailer that would want to pick up your stuff. Um, but that's kind of where we see ourselves coming in is that we can find these cool products, find these these cool makers and shakers that have products that are cool, that are innovative, that just like don't have any platform to be able to sell them on. And uh, we can uh, put them in front of our audience um, and uh, and showcase them and, uh, you know, help build their social media followings, like write articles about them. Um, and for a lot of it, like, you know, there's hasn't been an article written about that brand before. Like, if you want any information about who the heck this company is, like, you've got to find it at Garage Grown Gear because, uh, you know, outside magazine isn't knocking on their door. Yeah. About what you're making in your garage. Um, so uh, we can, like, that's that's so much of what the fun is, is is finding brands, is maintaining those relationships. Uh, it's uh, it's like why companies work with us is because it it is definitely like a, it's a relationship. Uh, we don't have like firm contacts with the brands that we work with. It's more of a, uh, we email companies and say, Hey, we need like 300 more of these. Can you make that? <laughs> oh, 
that's going to take me at least a month. And like, okay, fine. And then we're out of stock for something for like three weeks. And <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just like kind of how, how it goes. There's something really organic and, and, uh, and nice about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. that that's, uh, that's interesting to think about because like, you know, when I think about like our favorite, like, uh, cottage manufacturers, it's like stuff comes and runs, stuff comes and goes. Yeah. So that's gotta be like challenging, especially if like, if you've got like a really popular product and it sells really well and a lot of demand for it and it's just like, well, it'll be back in a few months, maybe. Oh man. Number of emails that we have to respond to that. <laughs> what, uh, so what, um, like what, what is, what is like one of your most popular things sold on your site? Can you tell, can you tell us? Yeah. Um, we sell accessories super well. Yeah. Um, so those are like, in terms of being a one-stop shop, um, kind of when people are looking to buy a bunch of small things, just to consolidate their shopping. That's kind of where I think garage grown gear probably has its most utility. Like we love it when people buy uh, Gossamer gear packs and light equipment quilts and uh, you know, some of those bigger ticket items. Mm -hmm. But I think where people come back to us time and time again, like they make those purchases oftentimes because they've got a track record with us and, you know, trust us and want us to, you know, be the people that are shipping them their stuff. Yeah. Um, but with our accessory items, like, uh, those are the like like Kula cloths we sell like crazy like uh, the Canuck Vectos. Oh, nice! Out of like Rology uh, massage balls, those little like cork balls <laughs> sell super well. Um, like Luddy F bear bags. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Chris just crushes it with the them because uh, Chris from uh, Luddy F like could not supply us with enough of them, and like that's great. Like his business is like taking off and doing great. But uh, we we can't we can't keep them on the shelves. Um, so like a lot of those like kind of uh, smaller to, to middle sized price points where you can like you know pick up a bear bag, yeah, and yeah. throw in like a green belly meal and uh, you know like some uh, uh, like Lawson equipment like like bear cord uh, those kind of things where you can just bundle a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and all all sell really well. Um, and uh, yeah. I didn't, I've been calling it C-Knock in my head yeah. for like it's, years. It's Canock. Uh, everything that I know <laughs> says uh, Canock. Um, you, I mean, but, you would know, Lloyd, you yeah. would know. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Later tonight saying that I was pronouncing it wrong. Um, so another thing I was thinking about, so, so this is interesting. So a really cool thing that's happened through our podcast is we have really, gotten to know cottage vendors really well yeah a few of them have become so really you close. must have you must really know these people i mean you guys I, there are a lot of cottage vendors on your site do you do you have like a lot of relationships with them like you must be such a well-connected person when it comes to cottage vendors <laughs> uh i yeah i i guess i am yeah i think uh um i mean there's there's definitely like brands and people that i communicate with way more than others but you know for uh uh, for a lot of companies, like, as I said, like, this is their first retail relationship. So this, this, uh, especially for small companies, like we impact companies, their, their business and like what they do and how they operate. And they've, uh, they've got to think about us on a daily basis. I mean, companies like Hyperlite, like we like working with Hyperlite, but Hyperlite's not sitting there going like, oh, we need garage grown gear to place an order to keep us afloat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not happening. But for a lot of our small companies, um, you know, our orders are on the front of their minds because, uh, you know, as a one person uh, maker, like they're spending a sizable chunk of their energy producing stuff for us. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this is it's it's very personal. It's a uh, it's a lot of trust. Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 what's fun hopping on 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 calls with brands like yeah. you know, there when when you're first kind of sessing out if this is going to be a good thing or you know, we, we do a lot of giveaways. We do a lot of articles. We ask our brands for a lot and they get a lot out of re in return. But, uh, yeah, like it's, it's always like one of the biggest bummers about, um, outdoor retailer not happening this year is yeah, that you could see them to roam around and be like, cause none of our brands ever have booths, but they're always all there yeah, working around the floor. Like us too. Like we don't, we don't booth there. It's too expensive, but, um, it's always like so fun just to run into like every, like random and it, you know and 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 this stage of, of business like there's there's a lot less ego there's a lot less pretense yeah. uh, within the within the cottage part of the industry i think within startups in general there is the potential for kind of the silicon valley like cutthroat like 
uh, let's talk about ROIs and KPIs and all of these things that um, kind of stack each other against each other. Um, and we we definitely take a lot of pride in, in viewing Garage Grown Gear as a as a collaborative platform and and uh, not a not a competitive one. Um, and I think that that just like fosters a, a good vibe between us and brands and brands and brands and. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of contacts, a lot of friends that have been, that have been made through this. Like there's definitely like people I just call to say like, what's up? Like, I don't need to buy any of your stuff right now. I just want to say, Hey, and you know, see what's going on with you. And, uh, that's, uh, that makes it feel like a really, a really close family. And like, it, it makes it, it makes it personal. Um, which, uh, you know, at, at times can be, um, uh, challenging but for the vast majority of the time it's uh it's what makes the, the work like rewarding and and why you do it when uh when it's tough uh and uh well, why you keep trying to push it as as hard as you can so that ultimately like we're building garage grown gear so that it can be beneficial to brands um because it's not like the easiest or like the profitable thing to do as we were talking about <laughs> earlier but uh i think there is some like fundamental merit to what it to what it has the potential to be within the outdoor industry is um is is part of your master plan to have like a dedicated retail space yes <laughs> okay uh, awesome yeah. uh so um andy and i were chatting about this a little bit yeah but we um got a uh like right before covid um became a thing that just shut everything down we signed a three-year lease on a uh, on a retail oh store. so it's happening oh poor timing lloyd yeah <laughs> poor timing i'm sorry yeah. uh it was it was not the best um but uh we have this spot that we that we really love um it's like smack dab in the middle of south minneapolis uh, okay i was gonna ask you really if you could share where well. it was okay so it's in it would it'll be there okay but you so it's so this is happening correct uh it's like I mean, so it's it's a functional space. So like all of our okay. stuff is on all the walls. If you can kind of like a you know like all of the gear layout videos mm. or photos that you see on Instagram, like that's kind of what our all of our walls look like right now, where it's just like epic amounts of things everywhere coming at you. Um, but uh, I mean, other than having structured business hours, it's like pretty much ready to go. It's just a, kind of a desire of like, is there utility and opening up right now is right it like, right because like are people going to come is it safe to have people come right is it worth staffing that when we could just be staffing having people fulfill i don't know right we've kind of decided that it's going to be a 2021 yeah okay yeah that makes sense and, and kind of going back to like covid i mean how like how how has covid affected like the online business and, and everything else yeah, it's wild. I'm actually uh, in the process of writing an article on this because I think it's kind of fascinating. Um, but the long, I think the the uh, answer is that it's it's affected everyone wildly differently. Right. Uh, really. Uh, I mean, for initially when it happened, um, every it seemed like at least from my ex interactions with other companies that the market just like constricted immediately. Of uh, there was this fear of we don't really know what's happening. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of money though. Uh, we're not going to go outside. Uh, and there was this kind of like uh, initial fear of what this could mean. Um, and uh, a bunch of businesses, a lot of companies that we work with were, were closed for um, weeks, uh, some companies for months, uh, and some companies opened up uh, and found themselves in a better spot than they've ever been. Wow. Uh, like really? Onslaught of orders because people are not traveling internationally. People are, are going out to parks like, uh, it's not quite like what the bike, uh, industry is, is seeing right now. Oh, but they're getting, they're getting cr like there, there's like, that's demand is like through the roof right now. Right. The roof. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in, in certain parts of the outdoor industry, like, um, dehydrated food, um, mm -hmm. was pretty much impossible to be able to, to purchase back in May. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, cloths were flying off the shelves as toilet paper was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Portable bidets. I think we sold like 1,200 portable bidets. What? Like, what? we could not sell enough portable bidets. Uh, <laughs> that was in like relative obscurity on our website to being like, if we only sold portable bidets for the next month, I think we would have been fine. Um, so it, it's it's like made the market really weird. Um, and some of these businesses, uh, especially if they produce overseas, had a really hard time. Oh, yeah getting their products into the States, uh, sourcing fabrics that they needed to be able to create. 
Um, and uh, so it's, it's kind of just like each company has, I think, has has handled it differently, depending on uh, kind of what particular thing they sell. Uh, I mean, fortunately, with Garage Grown Gear, like we sell such a variety of stuff that like we were able to sell a bunch of food back when, uh, you know, survivalists were stocking up on dehydrated mm-hmm. food because the, you know, people weren't sure if this was the end of the world or not. Um, and, you know, portable bidets. Uh, and like, there was like a run on, on bear bins for a while because uh, uh, there was um, bear vault didn't have bear vaults uh, available anywhere. So suddenly, wow. like you couldn't find any of them on, anywhere on the entire internet. So I think again, like we you know, sold like 30 of them in a period of like three hours. Um, oh, this is interesting. This is super. I, interesting. I never would have thought about this. It's, um, it's super bizarre. Um, and there's still companies that are still wildly affected by it, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, we look at September and October as, or at least late September and pretty much the entire month of October as two of like the worst periods of the year to be selling stuff. And it feels like the summer has been extended in the sense that uh, I, at least with Garage Grown Gear, and I, I know with a, a handful of our other companies, at least that you're still kind of riding this wave of, of outdoor recreation of uh, people don't necessarily, yeah, feel safe doing some of these trips, but a lot of people feel okay doing more socially distanced activities uh, out in the woods. And that means buying gear. Yeah. I, I, I think there's going to be, we've had a bunch of cottage vendors on this podcast during COVID um, and I, I think one thing we've talked about is I think there's like going to be a, uh, maybe you're seeing it like a pent up demand because people have been shut inside and like in the spring, you know, people have probably had tons of backpacking trips planned for the spring. Like we did, we had to change our plans, but now they're going to start taking those trips maybe in the fall. And I feel like you're going to see some sort of like V shaped rebound. I don't know. I have no idea if that'll actually happen, but I feel like there's gotta be some sort of pent up demand for this kind of stuff. And I'm hoping that 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 keeps the industry going. The portable bidet thing is hilarious because when this all happened, I was like, I was like, told my wife, I was like, well, I want to know what a portable bidet is, but I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, we got to get a bidet. There's no toilet paper anywhere. And bidets you couldn't even get. What's it? So is a, what is a portable bidet? So it's just like a little, like a uh, cap plug that you put in a water bottle. Okay. It has like a little like spout that when you squeeze the water bottle, it shoots water out. Okay. So uh, it's I think the thing weighs like I don't know between like one and two ounces, uh, but it's like you know it's like that big, it's small. Have um, have you seen things like that? Things like dehydrated food. Have you seen the sales start to like normalize back to like BAU levels? Okay, because it's pretty annoying not being able to buy dehydrated food. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, dehydrated food is still in really um, really high demand. Um, it's I, I think a lot of our small brands especially are still kind of reeling from being able to source enough food. And, you know, the the like companies like Good to Go have been able to handle it pretty well. Uh, companies like Trailtopia have been able to ha- handle it really well. Um, but if you know, if you're a, a, a small maker and suddenly your production, like I was reading something that I think like back, uh, backpackers pantry had saw a 1000% increase in <laughs> what? over the course of like a week. It was nuts. I, I might be misquoting that, but I think I read that in an article where, it, but it was just like, you know, a, a transformative number of sales and, uh, you know, you never, you never plan for that. And if that takes all of your inventory that you were planning for a month, yeah, yeah. week, like you know, and, and your, and the place that you buy your ingredients from is also getting, you know, hammered with orders from much bigger vendors. Like you're going to be on the bottom of the, of the total. Yeah. yeah. Even source the, the food that you need. So I think that just kind of further speaks to like the ripple effects of it, of, uh, everyone is feeling it differently and it's not, it's not all good. It's not all bad. Uh, it's kind of a, a weird thing. Uh, you know, when you talk about like, like I don't, think there's anyone in the industry that is necessarily trying to like profit off of this as a time period but for small brands it is really um it would be stupid not to try to keep up with it with the right demand right now. Um, because it's a shift in the market and like if more people are getting outside and as long as it's happening in ways that are safe and that are that are ways that are accepted by the places that you're traveling through like yeah 
No, this is uh, super interesting. I yeah. did not think we would talk about this. Uh, no. but this is you're the perfect guy to talk about yeah. how COVID's affecting like the outdoor space, especially from a retail. Perspective. I can't wait to read this your is, article. This is really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you're like the perfect person to talk to about it because you probably know like all about what's going on in terms of, like what's being sold, what's not being sold, like that sort of stuff. This is so it's really interesting. I'm good. The bidet thing makes sense. <laughs> I, and so does the dehydrated food thing. Is there anything else that's um that's like just flying off the shelves because of COVID that you wouldn't think, like you wouldn't expect? Hmm. Um, I think those are the main ones. Or is there anything that's not selling that's surprising that you think would, would be selling because of this? Ooh. These are tough questions. It's like the opposite, you know, the opposite question. But but is your bread and butter, like your your accessories and stuff, is that still constant? Bre- bread and butter is definitely the accessories. Yeah. The uh, food items also sell really well because, you know, sometimes people like we have, we've got a, a, a $20 free shipping threshold. Um, oh, nice. So for a lot of brands like, um, you know, you can mix and match meals and mm-hmm. $21 on food. You can get meals from three different companies. Uh, if you buy that from three separate companies, you're going to pay three separate shipping costs. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be more than the worth of the products that you just purchased. Um, so that's, I think it's, it's kind of those things. It's uh, it's, it's small things also looped in with big things. Like, um, you know, we'll sell like the occasional like Griffin gear quilt and they'll, people will throw in like some Nylofume pack liners, <laughs> and, uh, you know, some like ultralight toothbrushes and other like random stuff because uh, you know, why the heck not? If you're spending $300, you might as well spell in like $305. Yeah. But, but, but see, that's a great strategy too, because like you, you have like a fantastic selection of like the, the ultralight knickknacks that people don't feel mm-hmm. like going all the way mm-hmm. over here for. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to order this. I might as well throw like another 20 bucks of like all this like tiny little cool things that that are that are hard to source. Yeah, it's a great yeah. idea. Um, so another question. So I've, I've asked a lot of our retailers this and I feel like you're a really good person to ask this question. So what like what do you think this is different? We're stepping away from COVID. What do you think is going to and you're also an ultralight guy. Like, what do you think is going to be? Like what's trending in the ultralight? What's trending and what do you think is going to be big in the next like five to 10 years in terms of like ultralight? Is it a piece of gear or a fabric or some sort of technology? Or like, what do you think? What do you think in your crystal ball? Like, What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, it's one that I definitely think about a lot. Um, I mean, I think this this summer in particular saw a uh, incredible focus on, on FKT attempts um, oh, and just doing... Wow. Uh, longer trails faster. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, not that that's necessarily a new thing, but I think there has been kind of a switch from, I I hesitate to say the novelty of ultralight, but kind of like the hobby of ultralight to like the actualizing of ultralight within like a more of a sport form Mm -hmm. or more of like a competitive form. Like I think like when I think about my ultralight kit or how I have historically is kind of a, um, like I do it for like myself. Like I like having a lightweight kit. It's kind yeah. of fun. Some people play fantasy football. I like tinker with my, we, you know, with, with my base weight. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, whatever, like that is, <laughs> that is like what it is. Um, but uh, I think that recently, like, I mean, looking at like Jeff Garmeyer's, yeah, it's no time, like the amount of publicity that got that Jeff got for that. And like, Jeff's an awesome dude. Uh, if you guys ever, uh, have the chance to interview you would him. know him you would know him lloyd you know everybody yeah <laughs> i followed it on instagram yeah. i followed his fkt on instagram yeah. he would he would love to be on on uh on with you guys uh and oh, he would be a him. far more entertaining interview than me I no you're yeah. you're doing great man this <laughs> yeah. is actually really interesting <laughs> yeah. no you're you're like you know a lot about the ultralight and the outdoor sphere <laughs> yeah. no, this is really good well uh, i i'm lacking the the uh the tiger garb yeah <laughs> i know I know, right? No, but that's but, a, so. That's an interesting point. So, um, a shift of using ultralight towards the FKT sphere is is kind of what you're seeing. What you think might be big going forward? I think so. Uh, I mean, I think that definitely um, it's it's egged on by uh, I think a a culture of influencers that um, that prioritize lightweight long distance travel. Uh, I mean, you're looking at yeah, like the Jeff Garmeyers, like the Jupiters, the Darwins, yeah. Uh, I think they're always constantly like, I mean, Darwin isn't known for like being an FKTer, but he, 
has hiked a lot, talks a lot about lightweight gear and, uh, you know, uh, moves quite quickly down those trails yeah. as Jupiter, who I, who I know has got a, a couple of FKT attempts under him, but, uh, or I think, um, I, I, my knowledge exactly of people's, uh, uh, resumes in terms of hikers, <laughs> it's not that great apologies, Jupiter, if I'm insulting you, but, uh, I think he's got some FKTs on there. Um, but I, I think that that's kind of the what people are emulating and looking at. And I think it's it's kind of a fun thing because, um, I mean, looking at – and I don't think Jeff would, would hate on me for saying this. But, like, Jeff is a great dude and an incredible athlete. He is not, like, some superhuman athlete. Like, that man trains like crazy, is uh, incredibly – like, his mental – perseverance like has to be absolutely off the chain to be able to do something yeah like yeah and no joke it's so cool to be able to be in a in a part of a you know a, a part of a sport part of an activity however you want to call it and look at a guy like jeff and be like i probably can't do that but like i definitely cannot play in the nfl but i like might be able to do what jeff just did mm -hmm. yeah like like i might be able to do that like if, if i like you know train really hard and really, uh, and really prioritize like that. Like maybe I can't do it on the Colorado trail, but like, you know, maybe I could go and do that on the SHT. Maybe I could do that on some smaller trail. Like maybe I can have my own little victory within, uh, within, you know, this, this world. And I think that that's something that's, that's pretty cool. Um, that it's kind of like owned by the people who are a part of it. Uh, cause like Jeff isn't like some, some dude that just is like, you know, some, some ultra runner who just came in and was like, well, I'm just going to blow this record out of the, out of the park. Like he is, uh, his through hiking resume and his, um, how ingrained he is in the through hiking community and the ultra light community and the outdoor community. It's like, that's, that's where he comes from. And it's, uh, it's sweet to see him have a success like this. Lord, did you just announce your SHT FKT? Attempt? <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever do something? Would you ever do something like that? Uh, I, I casually thought about it this summer. Yeah, um, <laughs> you just casually thought about FKT in we'll, the SHT. We'll we'll ultralight pace for you if they have if they have pacers. Yeah, we'll shoot video and stuff. We'll make like a cool. We'll make we'll do the media aspect of it. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll be like a lion or something. Yeah. yeah, another big cat. Um, no, I I I actually legitimately thought about trying to do an FKT. So why uh, are you still thinking about it or? I'm not. Uh. I, I went up there and I did two two different trial runs. Um, I did uh, two different um, 50 mile stretches of I did 50 miles out and then 50 miles back the next day. What? And I did that twice, um, just on like separate weekends to kind of gauge like a if I could do that and b if I wanted to do that. Uh, and I definitely came to some conclusions after the second one of um, I might be able to do it, but I definitely don't want to. Uh, it's like, I don't know, like I, I have massive amounts of respect for anyone that can put their body through that. Uh, I found myself really loving uh, the first day of, of both uh, and then waking up the next day, my body feeling like absolute hell. Yeah. To do that over again. Um, you know, after two days, it wasn't bad, but I couldn't. When I got back to my car on both of the second days, I thought to myself, can I do that for another four days? Like, I, I don't know where that comes from. Like, I, I don't know what what switch in my brain needs to be able to happen for that to be able to to be something that after four days I don't bail on. But uh, but I mean, shout out to you for doing a hundred mile overnight. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> that's no joke. It wasn't fun. Like, <laughs> it doesn't I sound fun. <laughs> like, I don't like maybe maybe people who do FKT attempts like like aspects of it, but it's not an, I can't imagine that it's a particularly enjoyable thing. Like it is you versus your brain versus mm -hmm. whatever trail you're walking on. Um, cause I mean, I, I consider myself a total amateur in this regard, but you know, I, I, I like try to do my research on, on nutrition and on hydration. And like, I, I felt really solid about my gear, but like, you know, I found myself not wanting to eat anything because everything tasted terrible. Yeah. I found myself like not wanting to drink anything and I found myself cranky and, you know, uh, hating the music that I, that I like to listen to and, um, you know, turning off the books that I was interested in previously. Like it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a mental grind. Yeah. And, uh, it requires a, a, a unique person to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Well, what about a shorter one? What about something shorter than 
DSHT. Would you ever do something like that where you only had to knock out like three of those days? Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, I, I kind of settled on like, I, I like running and I like hiking. I'm not sure I like really fast hiking. Do you, uh, have you, do you run any marathons? Uh, I haven't. I do a lot of trail running. Okay. Which seems to be kind of my, uh, and, uh, the Twin Cities just have a ton of different trail systems. Wow. That, like, being right on the Mississippi, yeah. there's just trails that wind all around it. And, um, I really like that. Uh, and I, I really like, uh, I really like backpacking and, um, it's just the the two combined kind of yeah. uh, doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Running a marathon is similar to what you talked about, how like you feel like shit the next day. You don't know if you ever do one again. It sucks uh-huh. while you're doing it. But when you finish it, it's like, oh, this is awesome. You know, like right. I just did that. But uh, I, yeah, I, I like I've ran four marathons in the last like, two years, but I, I would never want to hike consecutive 50 mile days. No pass. Yeah. I mean, and I, I definitely came to the conclusion that I, uh, I do not want to either. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I actually, I talked to Jeff about it previously. Cause I was like, just like, tell me everything that I need to yeah. know please, so that I can like glean some information from you. Um, and, uh, like the way that he talks about it is, uh, makes it sound like relatively effortless. Um, <laughs> doesn't look effortless. Has- I mean, it just, it just seems like, it just seems like what you said, like a, just a massive mental game. Of like mm-hmm. just just overcoming yeah. how how painful it is and where your mind is and boredom and your feet hurt. Like your feet, I, I, your feet I, I just gotta be torn up. I yeah. mean torn uh, up. And yeah. like I so the uh I don't know who has the current SHG. So I watched when he did it, uh follow Bigfoot. I'm sure you're familiar with his attempt. I think maybe two years ago. So I watched some record on it. Yeah, I don't know if he has I don't, I just remember he attempted it. I think this was two years ago and he had to bail because it got colder than he thought it would. I think that's why he bailed. I don't remember, I, I don't remember. but watching that and, and he didn't, he wasn't trying to do 50 mile days. I mean, he was doing, I mean, he still, he still do like 44 mile days. So it's like just as terrible. Um, but he was trying to, and he had to bail cause it got, he like, he didn't bring enough and his kit was so light I mean, so light and he didn't bring enough clothes and it had gotten cold and he bailed that way. But just watching that, I was like, oh my God, that looks miserable. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Something fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I say like, there's, there's nothing that sounds fun about that, but I mean, running marathons, there's nothing that sounds, sounds, sounds fun about that too. But there is like a, a sense of accomplishment for doing it. I don't know. I but, think there's like a masochism that comes with like, yeah like that where like there's a part of you that you have to be kind of working out like there's something that you've got to be like mulling on or figuring out or i don't know like i i found myself being like i don't think i hate myself enough for this like i don't (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe the rest of my life is like too cushy (laughs) i don't know but uh, man i just i just uh yeah whatever that switch was that made you like push through that pain um i uh i don't i don't have it i don't do you, uh, so do you have any, um, do you have any like fun upcoming backpacking plans, non FKT attempt backpacking plans for this fall? Uh, I don't, um, no, like I was, uh, I, if I was going to do this, this FKT attempt, it was, uh, it was going to be last week. Um, oh, 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 wow. That, uh, that didn't materialize and I didn't quite have enough time to be able to take off, to be able to do it slower than that mm-hmm. um so uh i kind of just ended up not doing it at all um which is a bit of a bummer because that was kind of my uh my one trip for uh for at least this part of the year um so yeah nothing nothing on the calendar right now uh i don't really do a lot of a lot of winter stuff. i was gonna ask you if yeah, you do winter backpacking that's, that's intense why in not Lloyd? <laughs> you, you don't hate yourself enough yeah <laughs> right yeah i, I don't that's like real winter back backpacking up there. We do winter backpacking, but it's it's in Ohio and sure. south of Ohio, so it's like in the twenties and like okay. maybe there's a little bit of snow, but it's not like winter backpacking where you live where like you could die if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a risk factor there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it just doesn't it's uh like a, a lot of respect to people that do it. Um I just uh it doesn't uh it doesn't like scratch the itches that I have for being outside. Um uh, yeah, it just doesn't. Do you, um, do you, have you ever gone and done any backpacking out West? A bit. Um, not a ton. Uh, I, 
uh, I've done some stuff um, in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. Okay. Uh, done some stuff in uh, Glacier in Banff. Oh, nice. um, I've done segments of the John Muir Trail. Um, so you've done a lot. So, of, so you've, you've done, done a yeah, lot yeah, about yeah, West backpacking. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel like, and this is something that's kind of an odd thing about uh, with within ultralight communities, is that there is like you know a, a badge of honor that comes with through hiking trails right um, right i have i've never uh i've never through hiked any of the, the the three big trails um uh you know uh so the the i feel like there's always the caveat of like yeah i've done a lot of a lot of backpacking but uh i haven't uh i haven't spent five months hiking something real long hey we wear we wear that badge yeah proudly, yeah yeah we wear, we wear that okay not everyone can just up and leave for five months right, is, right. is that something you want to do or is something you're going to do in the near future no, um, when, uh, uh, in my, in my early twenties, um, when I was doing some, um, some guiding, I spent, uh, two summers, um, I guided, a uh, uh, trip up on like the inside passage of Alaska. It was a, a kayaking trip. And then I did like a, um, month and a half, uh, backpacking trip up in the Brooks range. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. You've never been out West. So just a little, you've just barely <laughs> been out West. You've been out West a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but that, um, I definitely like, uh, and, and I mean, guiding is definitely a different experience than personal trips, mm -hmm, but right. definitely kind of came to the conclusion that, uh, um, I, I definitely really like the solitude, uh, that, that comes with such experiences, but, um, five months is a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's my ideal trip length. Um, so. have you ever done anything like in the Midwest or not? I guess you live in the West, but like East coast, like where we live, like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, anything like that? Not a ton. Um, there's not a ton to do, but there's I've, some, I've done some uh, paddling on the outer banks. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, uh, that's a, a beautiful spot that I yeah. would like to return to. Um, I've done a, a bunch of paddling on the great lakes, but, um, yeah, like not a, not a ton. Some, uh, like random whitewater trips uh, on rivers that I don't remember the names of in like Georgia uh, on one random spring break trip. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not a, I, I find myself like, especially these days, not really being able to get away from, uh, from work too much, um, which means that I'm kind of relegated to where I can get within striking distance of the yeah. Twin Cities. So yeah. SHT boundary waters, uh, like apostle islands. Um, but, uh, not too many other places. Those are some pretty good options to have yeah. If, yeah. if you can't go far. I mean, that True. those are all really solid options. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well so, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. One, a couple more questions about garage grown gear. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So like how, how often do you pick up like new retailers? Um, I would say we probably pick up, on average, probably three or four new brands, uh, a month. Wow. Oh, wow. Kind of, kind of depends on how it kind of just depends on how I'm feeling to be totally honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I'm like out there, like really like actively pursuing companies and wanting to make stuff happen, uh, then it happens a little bit faster. Um, sometimes it's a process of months, if not years to start working with companies, uh, uh, like we probably have like four or five different brands that are like in process of like, eventually they will find their way onto garage grown mm -hmm. gear. Like it won't be this month. It might not even be until 2021. Maybe they don't have the production capacity to do it right now, yeah. but they like, are interested. Um, so I'd say at, at any given point, there's usually like probably anywhere between a half dozen and a dozen companies that are kind of somewhere in the queue of figuring their way onto garage grown gear and some brands it's real easy. Like, you know, if you sell, um, like, uh, we are going to start carrying these, um, range bars. Uh, this dude, Zach makes this like one meal replacement bar and it comes in one flavor. Uh, and so we can order a bunch of those. And I talked to the dude on uh, Tuesday and he shipped them today. Oh, so, nice. Oh, cool. Easy. Like I tried one. It was good. He has one product. I don't need to think anymore about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's ready to go. Um, so sometimes that turnaround can be immediate. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, especially if we're working with like an, like we're in process with an overseas company right now in Greece. 
Um, and so we weren't able to work with them for a while uh, because of uh, some shipping regulations that were happening because of COVID. Um, so that was just like, didn't, didn't quite happen. And uh, you know, now that things are kind of starting up again, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot for a, a, a company that's used to making like made to order stuff one at a time to suddenly like, yeah, we need, you know, 60 units of four different products and yeah. they can turn around and say, okay, well that's going to take four months. <laughs> <laughs> how many, how many, how many retailers are on garage ground gear? Do you know like the number off the top of your head? I would guess it at around somewhere between 80 and 90 different companies. And what's a, um, what's a company that like no one has probably heard of, or it's like a obscure like a, company, up and comer, that, up and comer yeah. that like you want like that that would be cool to, to, to like tell us about. Yeah, uh, whew, ooh. I know you can do <laughs> multiple ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, there's a a couple of brands I find myself drawn to, um, like more of like the uh, uh, like the the real small companies. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's a company called Ultralight Sacks that makes just like DCF uh, odds and ends. Like they make like DCF compression sacks and um, like little like ditty bags. Uh, I think they're a really cool company that's doing some some pretty neat stuff. Uh, uh, Yard Gear is a company that I've makes heard of them. Sacks that I'm a uh, I'm really a fan of. Uh, this dude Adam makes like a lot of uses a lot of like recycled fabrics oh. in his products, and uh, I think he's I think there's a lot of like subtle innovations happening with with backpack manufacturing right now um like i don't think we're going to see any like revolutionary new designs on backpacks but there's a lot of people playing around with new like vest like kind of going back to that initial question of uh talking about like where ultralight backpacking is going i think like some of that is is packs that are built more constructed towards quicker movement uh mm. so like more of like the, the vest pack okay oh, yeah 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 more designed to allow for for more movement uh less bulky you know hip belts uh if like really much of a hip belt at all yeah um, yeah so uh yeah like yard gear is another company that i've been uh particularly interested in recently and uh they just sent me a pack so i feel like it's on my brain um, <laughs> nice. um, um but uh yeah yeah Those i want two- i, I want to do some fast packing at one point in my life. And I was looking at the, I was actually talking to Chris at, at light AF about designing like, um, a pack that had a, a chest rig vest kind of setup on the front versus like a normal one for like moving faster. Um, so I don't know. That, that was interesting. Interesting. You said that. Yeah. So I don't know if that, that'd be cool if people, more people, I know like Nathan has a pack kind of like that. Um, and, and like uh, some of the running brands do, but like it makes, it's a no brainer to make one out of Dyneema, you know? Yeah. Make a, like, I don't know. Um, odd, like lacks of overlap. Like there's a ton of overlap between, uh, trail running and, uh, backpacking. Yeah. There's a ton of overlap between like the hunting, like hunting gear mm-hmm. and like backpacking yeah. gear. There's a lot of overlap between these industries, but they just like don't quite talk to each other yeah. because like ultralight backpackers like don't want to hang with bushcrafters yeah uh like uh i think trail runners kind of like look at uh ultralight backpackers like they're the uh the 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 slow movers on the trail (laughs) there's just like some like odd kind of dynamics that keep i think companies from overlapping too hard into other spheres yeah um which is kind of silly i think but uh yeah hunting to us always was a was a like a a sector that like, man, you these, do not these, want to be carrying these 80 pound packs these out back, there. These backpack hunters need to get into the ultralight yeah. train. I like some of the stuff that they carry. Oh my gosh. It's like, you can, yeah. you know, if you take 20 pounds off your load, that's 20 pounds of meat you can haul out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like, I don't know. So like when you said like out other spheres, hunting, hunting needs to just get on it. Yeah. It's too yeah. heavy. I think there is some, uh, yeah, there's like some, um, I think thought process that like ultralight is like a, uh, in a, in a emasculating form of backpacking. <laughs> uh, like, there is know, some of that though. Like you don't carry a 60 pound pack, so you're not a real backpacker. There is definitely some of that. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, which is BS bronze part of, yeah. The, which, uh, I don't know. I, I think that ultralight backpacking is a, uh, is it, is an, is an evolution of, of some sorts. Like it's, it's not like, 
like and, and ultralight means whatever it means to you right 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 yeah right that get stuck in terms of what metrics are for base weights but what i think is lightweight backpacking or ultralight backpacking for one person uh looks differently or like what someone's maybe it's more of like what someone's ideal base weight is is uh is dependent on on what that person values out of their trip um and that can still be like lightweight minimalism it might not be ultra light but uh you know so you're not carrying a chair are you i was gonna ask you lloyd (laughs) you're not carrying a chair are you would you consider carrying a chair I would not. No. Oh, <laughs> hey, at least you stand by that. Yeah, yeah. You, you What's your base you, weight? What's your base weight, Lloyd? Uh, it 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 depends. Uh, I think uh, like for this last superior hiking trail trip, it was uh, around seven and a half pounds. Ooh, yeah, that's but, sweet. Uh, I and you know and and for me, like I I definitely view it as like a it is a challenge within myself. Right. Like, yeah. Know, I can I bring? I don't think like that is like better than anyone else's. Like, yeah. Only affirm the fact that like uh if you want to bring a book you should bring a book if you want to bring a chair you should bring a chair uh you should do what's going to make your trip enjoyable uh for me that's trying to go as ultralight as i can uh and uh uh that's great (laughs) nice um all right lloyd this has been really fun yeah so first thank you so much man for talking to us you're really interesting yeah you you know a lot about the outdoor space Um, so you're a great person to talk to. We're going to have a new back again. And, and just, uh, just a, a thing here too. There's a bunch of like a bunch of good comments in the chat. We try on these to like not get glued into the chat. So I apologize to everybody. Like this is, we want, we got Lloyd we're, we're here. With Lloyd, we're okay? with Lloyd. We're with Lloyd. Yeah. And so. there weren't any awkward breaks in the conversation. Yeah. So I didn't need to go to the yeah. chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, people listening to this, uh, check out Garage Grown Gear. Uh, yeah. We'll put and a there's link. A lot of good comments in here about people who have shopped at Garage Grown Gear and, and talk, sing, you know, yeah. singing the praises about yeah. it. And right. so, um, so, we will put a link down there, sir. This yeah. is really fun. Yeah, you Lloyd, had some really thank, cool insights, yeah, man. Yeah, Lloyd, thank yeah. you so much for taking this time yeah, and talking man. to us. Um, all right, everybody. We will see everybody on the next one.